Welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of sports and media with the world of technology. Today, we're going to be bouncing into a very interesting topic, whether you call it the multiverse or gaming or esports. Um, people spending time and interacting with their favorite brands and rights holders online is becoming a bigger and bigger topic. And to have that conversation, we've got some pretty fantastic guests on board with us. Uh, very excited to, to have this chat. I'll start with a longtime friend who is making her first appearance on the Sports Law Podcast, hopefully the first of many. Um, I'd like to welcome Pia Schoener, who is the head of digital content creation and BMW Metaverse at BMW, uh, someone that uh, a brand that I think we've all heard of. Pia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Yanni. It's great to be here today. It's uh, really a pleasure, and thanks for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Uh, what Pia hasn't told everybody is that she was having some technical difficulties, and being the creative genius that she is, she has borrowed uh, her laptop from her 10-year-old in order to be able to be here. So we thank you for the creative approach uh, to be able to be here. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, we hope there aren't going to be any uh, any major family incidents during this during this recording. Um, uh, next guest, Eric Londre, the founder and CEO of Sportsloft member company Carta, which is the studio that makes brands playable for the world's most popular gaming worlds. Um, and Eric has joined us before. So welcome back to the Sportsloft podcast, Eric. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Um, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. It's uh, my literally my favorite topic. It's going to be exciting. And, and I, think, I think Wendy's might make an appearance at some point <laughs> if our previous conversations are anything to go by. Uh, and last but most definitely not least, uh, we have Andy Selby. Andy is the head of strategy at Sportsloft. Uh, as a bit of an inside joke, I always completely mangle his title uh, and give him way too many uh, different titles, but today we'll stick with uh, stick with the principles because it's a interesting conversation. I'm sure much more will come out of that. Andy, welcome back to the podcast. Pleasure to be back, Yanni. Thanks for having me. Dialing in from the US, I believe. Yeah, from New York City. Shout out overtime for letting me record this from their offices. Excellent. Um, well, let's let's get into it. Um, and as we always do with our guests, we'll just go very quickly round table. I want everybody's favorite sporting moment of the week. And I'll start with you, Andy, given that you're in the US. There. There's, a, there's a few interesting things that have happened. And, and, and please say that it's the James Harden trade to the Clippers, because we can spend a whole podcast talking about that. So I was explicitly told for my sporting moment this time, that I can't just choose... City's most recent result as my sporting moment of the week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up on Dan's request and pick Hull City's two most recent results because last week we recorded wins against Preston North End and Tom Brady's Birmingham City. So welcome to the championship, Tom Brady. Um, looks like Birmingham City have got a lot to learn, but yeah, good week for Hull City. So good week for me. Shout out! Shout out to uh, Birmingham City's new CEO uh, Gary Cook, who I'm sure will uh, will will be listening to this and will be taking note of what you just said, Andy. So thank you for thank you for putting us in the hole on that one. Pia, what's your favorite sporting uh, sporting moment of this week? Oh, to be honest, it was the um, basketball match of my ten year old son. <laughs> Because he did it, he was the front man of the show, and they won the game. And to be honest, that was, um, to be honest, my favorite moment. And uh, just let you know, during uh, my stay in New Orleans, I visited my very first football match because we were just talking about football, and I pretty much enjoyed it. It, it took me a bit of time to understand the game, to be honest. But it was great to be there. Just to let you know, that was also a great moment in my life I had some weeks ago. Excellent. That's a that, that's a fun one. I think the NFL experience is something that everybody does need to try to do once if they can. Yes. It's uh, it's 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 very cool. Well, congratulations to your son. I look forward to hearing more about his basketball <laughs> prowess down the line. Maybe uh, maybe the Hoxton Heat, uh, that my team in London, can do with a with a new player in say seven or eight years. So uh, we'll we'll give you a call. Do it. Eric, your favorite sporting moment of the week? I mean, I'm sort of the, the nerdiest of the crew, I feel like. So I have to say, uh, you know, a little bit of esports. This is Worlds League of Legends uh, season. So Fnatic beating C9 to, to, to sort of get out of the Swiss table system. for And then sadly, as always, losing to, uh, you know, a Chinese team uh, uh, in the quarterfinal. But that comes with the territory. 
I also have, I also really enjoyed the Nikola Djokic saying that absolutely nothing has changed. Also taught me something about performance. You know, that like the best players, the best performers on the planet can have that attitude towards the thing they're really good at. Mm-hmm. That was, I, that opened the, you know, that, that made me think about, you know, how I should think about hiring people as well. If there's people that are that good at something that are that uninterested in it. How do I take that into account while interviewing people uh, for for jobs? Incredible moments, super funny. Yeah, indeed, he's uh, he is he is quite the quite the character, and I think has had quite an impact on the NBA, which is exciting. Um, so we're here to talk about the metaverse in in so far as the metaverse exists uh, and gaming and esports. Um, but 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 let's let's start here. Um, and uh, with all due respect to Andy, I'll start with the with, with the experts Pia, Pia, and Eric. When we use the word metaverse, and there's been a lot of talk about metaverse, and there's been a lot of you know hype around it, and it's you know potentially dwindled um, in, a, in 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 a good way over the past few years as it's become more consolidated and people understand it better. But when we say metaverse, what do you understand, Pia? I'll start with you. <laughs> For me, the metaverse is, is is a word where people can be whatever they want to be, and where they can maybe possess what they ever ever want to be um, having in their life something what they cannot achieve maybe in their real life. And furthermore, it's a great entertainment space. And for me, metaverse is born in gaming, so this is why I'm a big fan of all the gaming metaverses, as six, existing already for a long time. To be honest, like Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, you know what I mean. And um, this is a good space to meet in the virtual world, to have um, opportunities which you cannot have in the real world. It's just a name. For me, the metaverse is the new internet and it's the way to go. And I'm happy to be part of that way. And yeah, over to you, Eric. What do you think? Yeah, throwing us in the deep end here uh, directly. (laughs) Uh, basically, I think it's a you know it's a vision of the future. It's an aspiration of what what's to come, and and um, it's not here yet. I would say I think the, the idea is more of a singular metaverse than multiple metaverses, uh, and uh, you know it, it, it's already sort of being built out as as it goes. If I think about metaverse behaviors, is basically you know virtual worlds playing the stage of not just, you know, individual fun, but also social interactions, marketing, commerce, you know, cultural creation. It's not just, you know, about people playing Mario on, uh, you know, on their own. Uh, I think that's, that's the big shift, you know, like that these are worlds we live in, just like how we live through, um, through so many internet platforms, social media, etc. But, but let me add, I think, the metaverse is already reality and it's waiting for brands and business <laughs> because you said it's more like a future thing, but I think it's already here. So there is a kind of a lifetime circle. I'm pretty with you, but I think um, the opportunities are huge already. <laughs> I think I think there's like, a, I mean, both Meta and Epic Games and, and Roblox have like build the metaverse as literally the company vision and uh, mission, sorry. Uh, and uh, there's been great strides. And yes, I think you're right in the fact that, you know, they've already laid the foundation and uh, behavior. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's, there's something interesting there, um, Eric, which is that um, you you uh, and Carto were originally branded a, a metaverse studio and, and still are. Yeah. Um, uh, but but have sort of moved away from the metaverse tag to talk more about making brands playable and engaging in uh, in gaming spaces, right? Um, so what what does that what does that tell us about the way that people necessarily um, understand the metaverse uh, and and what it could be and and sort of that the idea that it's going to eventually be hyper connected and everything's going to be connected to everything and you can have your avatar verse being a game in which people participate um, uh, individually? I mean, we still, we still use uh, met the met word metaverse uh, quite a bit. And, and uh, I think we definitely, we're still a metaverse studio. And that's what we, uh, you know, we work on different metaverse platforms. We're not a Roblox studio. We have a Fortnite studio mm-hmm. where we're planning our entrance into another platform, uh, you know, in a big way right now. So, uh, 
So I think uh, I think it's just you know there is like a bit of fatigue around the word metaverse that you you know sometimes it's not the right you know you have to be a bit smart about how to use it and when to use it you know I, I have made jokes that gotten laughs in meetings where I'm like the M word you know <laughs> you know people are like oh they get what you mean and uh, because it was a bit exhausting right it was a bit too much for a while. Uh, they all the sort of uh, those people have moved on to AI and and something else I think, uh, but but uh, which I'm happy for you know it's like uh, as I think for us even when the hype was happening we were always talking about like you know we need to get away if we want to build a sustainable super successful business which is of course the goal that we I think we have to get away from uh, the sort of uh, you know invoicing people for test and learns and people that want a PR story or you know we want to we want to get to a place where we're delivering real results you know real world results in unreal worlds you know uh, it's because uh, because you know it conscious the hype was never gonna last right it has to has to be about um, real results because I think yeah. that's a normal life, lifetime circle to be honest so there is a hype this is okay so everybody is talking about it we also can call it the spatial web or web 3 application whatever you want if you do want to use the word metaverse but in the end it, it's it's here and it, it's growing and it will happen and um, I also would love to call it the embodied internet because right now we have an internet of people, WhatsApp, social media, whatever you want to call it. And this will be a kind of an embodied internet where can be an avatar in a virtual world, meet other avatars. And this could be the great opportunity. And I think it's not all about gaming. So gaming is the foundation. I'm totally with you. Metaverse is born in gaming. But there is more to come. I think it's also a space for business. So you can do both. You can have it like in a full entertaining way when we're talking about gamification, but also in a kind of a business opportunity for future for doing sales, um, experience people, uh, brand, um, have immersive um, experiences to get more kind of a brand awareness, especially in maybe younger target groups, because this is their natural environment, in my personal opinion. But you already nailed it, Eric. I'm totally with you. <laughs> I totally agree. And so to, to, just, to, just to kick it to Andy for, for one second, Andy, you're, you're, you're working with um, uh, investors and you're working with uh, companies and you're working with rights holders all the time. And, you know, uh, Eric, Eric makes a good point that it feels like the buzzword has come from NFTs to metaverse to now AI, right? How how is um, how is the metaverse and how is gaming and how is the embodied internet to use a beautiful term which I haven't heard before? Thank you, Pia. Um, how how is that something that the sports world can use uh, and can use in its best way? Yes, I, I think when we've got rights holders come into us at Sportsloft and across all of these topics, we've had that. Metaverse, everybody's talking about it, what should I be doing? Our perspective on this, and you know, this has been enhanced by working with Eric at Carter, but existed before working with Eric and you know, ultimately was the reason we, we brought Carter into Sportsloft was there's going to be a lot of platforms that emerge, but right now there is a really strong case for you as a sports property being present in gaming environments that are very popular with Gen Z, Roblox and Fortnite. And most importantly and crucially, there is an opportunity for branded activations in those space. So of all of the stuff that everybody was doing, we saw that as this is a real opportunity for sports properties and for brands. And so when Eric came along at Carter, um, laser focused on activating in those spaces where they already had a significant user base. It was a very attractive demographic you know, with a global presence. That was something for us to say to sports right holders. This is a space where we believe it makes sense for you to have a presence to engage that younger fan base. Mm. And Pia, this is this is fascinating to me, particularly in this context, because you, and when I say you, I mean you, not just not just BMW, made a big jump into esports um, uh, as a brand. Uh, well, I want to say probably is it is it. Four, five, five years ago, four or five years ago. It was 2019. 2019. Four exactly. years ago. Four years ago, going into um, uh, uh, five or six of the biggest esports teams on the planet, c uh, creating a 
a centralized marketing tool um, and and uh, doing all of those um, all of those uh, platforms. Um, but since there's been a uh, step back from the esports world, but a huge dive into the metaverse, into the uh, embodied internet, and uh, obviously, most recently you uh, you launched Hypnopolis, uh, the BMW environment in Fortnite, which I went into. I had I had I had played Fortnite on other people's computers. I had to download Fortnite. I had to create all of that. It was great. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I can see why people why people enjoy it. But take us through that journey uh, and kind of what the uh, what the factors were and where you see the um where you see the value of uh those kind of um uh multi online spaces uh versus esports um individually not to take pot shots at eric in his former position at fanatic we're, we're, we're all friends here so we'll we'll do this in a nice way oh we we're still with fanatic so you maybe saw that we had loya um as our fortnite streamer so i'm good with fanatic i'm a big fan of fanatic still <laughs> um yeah um so that was a journey of heart to be honest because mm. i think we need to do things like that to make brands like bmw future proof to, to find a way to communicate with younger target group um, gen z gen alpha you name it and we had a lot of discussions on what we can do to rejuvenate the brand and um you know the 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 environment of esports is one of the biggest. So if you ever had the chance to be part of of the majors or of the um, or in the cathedral of Counter Strike in Cologne, you know what I'm talking of. This is this is like I'm still getting goosebumps when I'm thinking of all these events. People I'm getting it right now, Thea, when you're yeah. talking about it. I haven't been to Cologne I've I was there twenty sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, I think, and it's incredible it's, it's really incredible and you really have to to join such events that you get a better understanding why this community is so interesting for brands like us because you know gen z is not that brand related anymore so we need to be there where they are already and that was this the decision for esports and we decided to step into esports on the strategic gaming level so that's why we have chosen league of legends four years ago and we decided to partner the best teams in League of Legends all over the world. So we had teams in Asia and the US and Europe to have a big bunch or a good, um, yeah, like a choice of teams. And we created that um, that idea of united and rivalry to have a great um, idea of communication. And we did a lot around that. We had our manga story. We take the players into like a hero level by um, being them part of a, of a manga story and we had a lot of different um, communication assets like we did the um, Berlin Brawl that people of the teams played against each other in League of Legends and next time in like similar or more um, how do you call that um, arcade games of the mm. 80s what was and we we learned to deal with the teams we learned a lot from the teams and we learned from the community because for us it was important to be yeah and um, to, to embrace the gaming scene to to really understand what they want from us what they expect from us and we really tried to 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 act on eye level to communicate on eye level and this was a way to go for us and the teams as well as the gamers and the community helped us a lot in this space because that was our way to go. First, partner the right teams and learn from the teams and be authentic, not just put your product in there or something like this because this is not of interest. You need to deliver something what helps the gamer being better in the game or bringing them nearer to the idols or stuff like that. And... Um, then, then we decided that there is more than just esports because esports is the icing on the cake. So there is more. There is this whole gaming environment. And as I told you before, Metaverse is born in gaming. So this is why we did the next step, see what was coming next. And that's uh, when we decided, okay, let's go more into the broader space, use that big gaming Metaverses and use our experience we gained in esports to use it maybe for our own spaces. So our way is to have really an owned Metaverse in the future. We already had some 
one-off projects like Joytopia 1 and Joytopia 2. Mm -hmm. We already did um, our IX1 launch in the metaverse. We launched a car in Rocket League. So we did a lot in that space um, to gain a lot of experience and know-how to be future-proof. So what I what I wanted to say is now we did the step into Fortnite with Fortnite Hypnopolis and more to come for sure. Next, next step will be hopefully to have a long-term owned metaverse. We are also talking about... Um, interoperability so there is a long way to go and you're looking interoperability interoperability means if i have um, my avatar in the bmw metaverse i can go easily into an epic environment or easily into roblox what means um I do not use another avatar. I do not use another blockchain or browser. I can easily switch between these metaverses. This is the topic of interoperability. And if we are talking about BMW, and let's take an ideal um, example. You build a virtual car in the BMW metaverse. And in my ideal world, I can take this car and put it directly into Rocket League and play the game. That would be like perfect. So let's make a long story short. We learned from esports, we learned from the teams, we learned from the community, we took all our experience now into a broader group like gaming, and these experience put into everything around metaverse or the embodied internet to make our way into the future with the brand of BMW. Extremely cool. I do I do encourage anybody who wants to find out more about it. A to go play Fortnite and to go into Roblox and kind of test it out. Yes, but definitely do it. <laughs> go, yeah. Hypnopolis. <laughs> go, go, go find Hypnopolis. It is, it is, it is a, a fascinating thing. And it works, it, it does work, I think, slightly differently to what you might expect. Um, I think that's fair to say, Pia. Like, you might just expect to go in there and just, like, see cars, or at least I did in my, in my slightly simplistic, simplistic view. It is a fully engaging sort of immersive experience, which you which – obviously there are cars, but there's so much that you can do, and you are playing the game at the same time, which is, which is a fascinating, um, uh, fascinating thing. So, sorry. It's from gamers for gamers, just to add. So that's what I said. We have learned from the gamers. So now we deliver something for the gamers. It's not only about bringing a product in there. There needs to be a bit of brand for sure, but in a really authentic and playable way. And that's what you mentioned. And it's good to hear that because that was our goal by implementing Hypnopolis. Perfect. And and this is exactly what I wanted to ask you about, Eric, because the so so many so many rights holders come in and 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 i presume the first meeting that you have with a football club or a league or something like that is oh we think we should do this we should sell jerseys or we should you know that they're, they're looking at it as, as some kind of straight activation it's not something that people are thinking about for the community and like how people can actually play it What's that journey like to get rights holders to understand, or brands, or whoever it might be, get a client to understand what is best in the environment that they're choosing? And how do you choose the environment? Like, you know, primary, like, do, do you go to Minecraft or Roblox or Fortnite or Decentraland and it's 200 daily active users? <laughs> Sorry, no shots yeah, fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it usually starts with just that, like, right? Like, who, you're, who are you trying to reach and what are you trying to communicate to them? Like, that is what defines, uh, defines because the goals are not always the same, which is something I especially struggle with uh, getting my, my developers to, to understand that, like, you know, because they only think in, like, playtime and uh, monetization and usage where, like, you know, someone might actually be just interested in the PR factor of an activation, right? It happens, even though that's not our favorite. But yeah, it always starts with like, yeah, understanding uh, what our clients uh, or partner wants and needs are. And then, you know, this is like also one of my, and it's about research. It's about understanding uh, the brand, the rights holder in a deep, deep way. And that starts with, you know, website, Wikipedia, YouTube, TikTok, uh, you know, uh, news articles, and that is like, that's something I'm like such a stickler for with my team is like, you're not allowed to come up with ideas on like what the world or the game should be like, or how, how you should, you know, what, what the end product should be before you've done that journey mm -hmm. of like really getting a deep understanding. 
So when you have a deep understanding of the brand and the or the rights holder, uh, and you know their needs and wants, everything, uh, it's about combining that with our knowledge of the the audience that they're trying to reach. Uh, and uh, so you have like I would say you know you have uh, uh, you know brand and then you have uh, the audience and then you have the platform as the last piece of the puzzle, which has uh, its technical limitations, its uh, you know cultural limitations, its uh, ways of working in terms of how to drive traffic, and then you're just looking for that Venn diagram in the middle. There's like you know a type of game. <laughs> Yeah, there's a sweet spot of a, like a type of game, type of experience that that uh, you know delivers on the goals that uh, is technically possible and is also resonates with the audience, and that's that's the art form. Uh, and and it sounds very easy now when I said it out loud like that. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, go, like, I'm gonna go start a metaverse studio tomorrow. Done. Yeah, and I, I, I've just I've just I've just come out of like a sort of two week, you know proposal for a, a sort of big 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 brand and uh, where like it was this process exactly as i described it now over a minute but yeah it was it's, it was two week uh, full-time multiple people and i think we got there in the end we found that sweet spot uh, and uh, that's when it gets really exciting you know how do you deal with the conflicts though when you've got you the experts in the room who know what works and what doesn't work and a rights holder who has a pretty clear idea of what they want to do based on their own beliefs. Like, how do you balance that? We're there to serve the client, but we know what serves the client best and it's maybe not what they're proposing. I mean, you just have to motivate things uh, properly. Uh, and and a lot of times, yeah, it is, it is hard where like, you know, a client might put up red tape where like, you know, the audience that they would be best for them is maybe due to some other rules around how they want to present their brand, they can't go after that audience uh, or they can't deliver that type of experience. And sometimes it is not possible, right? It's uh, sometimes you can't... Uh, Pia, I'm glad you mentioned the Cathedral Counter-Strike. That is a good audience for BMW. But I also... Like these Counter-Strike fans, they're, you know, between 20 and 40. Uh, you know, I'm a hardcore Counter-Strike fan. I'm 38 uh, I um, think I'm, you know, maybe more target audience than potentially Fortnite is. That's more future-proofing, I would, I would guess. But uh, I also understand why BMW might not invest in a, in, or or other automotive brands would invest in a, in a, in a game that has terrorists and counter-terrorists <laughs> planting bombs, shooting AK-47s. I get it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It took me a lot of time to convince the company go into Fortnite because this is also a shooter game, to be honest. Yeah. But mm -hmm. compared to Counter-Strike, it's a fantasy non-plot shooter. But to be honest, the classic shooter genre is one of the biggest. And mm -hmm. still feeling that every brand can step into it. But anyway, also Counter-Strike is a strategic game, to be honest, in the end, if you just go a bit deeper into. And um, But I think it's what you, what you need to do is to go step by step. Do it slowly, especially in the traditional companies, because they have to learn and to feel and to see the success in the community. And I'm already discussing if it could be okay maybe to bump a BMW in a game because I think that's okay because the community will like it and they will talk about it because it's authentic. But it, it took a bit of time, to be honest, shoot a car or stuff like that. But um, it's always good to stick on that goal and to keep explaining and showcasing that it works and that there is no shitstorm. If you do it the authentic way, don't do it like a company wants to do it because they think that could be the best way. Learn from the gamers, learn from the gamers, learn from the gamers, and then do it the right way. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear this from the brand side because yeah, when we were at when we were, when we were at Man City, um, you know, we we got into the gaming space and into esports whilst I was there. We you know we hired our first esports player, and that was in FIFA. And as anyone who knows esports and gaming. No, it's like Fever is a huge game, but as an eSport, it's actually much smaller. Mm. And so we were always pushing management. Like if we want to do eSports and gaming properly, we have to go beyond FIFA. And at the same time, the CEO, you know, every all staff and everything else would be like, 
we've got this sign on in our office when Andy's team and everybody else in the team gets an opportunity. If it's not football, we're not interested. And so going into those teams with leadership, where the mindset is, if it's not football, we're not interested in saying, look, we need to be active in Fortnite. We need to be willing to look at other games and you know, participation in shooting games, as with, with any brand or team or anything, you know, was a major consideration. But Fortnite was one where we managed to, to win that battle and actually City have seen a lot of success from being active in that space. But um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm very interested to hear some of the stuff that you are willing to do. But I mean, to do Counter-Strike and to be blown up and be able to <laughs> car is probably a step further than, you know, City might have taken at that point when I was there. But Andy, to, to, to that point, what, what do you see, put, putting the city hat on for a second, what do you see as the opportunity for sports rights holders, whether it's a team or a league or whoever it might be, right now within the world of, uh, of and, and let's keep it to, to metaverse or embodied internet, you know, the, the, the uh, interactive games. What is, what is the biggest opportunity? Is it, is it a scale is it a uh, 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 a fan base uh, top of funnel is it uh, is it actually a, a, a monetization opportunity how's what do you think the biggest opportunity is and what, how people should be looking at it i think ultimately the way that i see gaming in traditional sports as a fan of both is like gaming is eating traditional sports like in the younger generation gaming is much more interesting and much more compelling what people need to understand is that games get better every year, every time a new game comes out, every time an update comes out. And it's really hard for sports that were invented 100 years ago to continue to innovate in the way that it's possible in a gaming environment. And so, yeah, when I was a city, my attitude is we're going to get killed by gaming. We can either participate in this space and have a role within that and hopefully win some of the people active in that space over to also be fans of traditional sports, you know, or we're just going to lose that generation and and struggle. So, yeah, for me, the opportunity is it's it's going in at that earliest stage where, you know, kids are deciding what they're interested in. Like, am I going to be a sports fan? If I'm going to be a sports fan, am I going to be a football fan? And by having a presence in a Roblox, in a Fortnite, where they're already spending time and can spend time with friends, that is giving you a, a fair crack at, I'm going to make somebody a whole city fan which you might not otherwise get if they've not got a relative or a friend taking them along to a game, which is was the traditional way to become a fan of a particular team, right? Like, if you're trying to drive a global fan base, it's very difficult. You, you know, you can't take those people to a first game where they f- see the crowd and fall in love. So it's having a presence in a space where that key generation of people are. And you mentioned monetization. I think, for me, there is merit in being active in these spaces as a pure fan growth endeavor you understand that this is a place to engage them you know depending on the platform you may or might not be able to do data capture it also depends on age but monetization will come you know eric's actually had some great success with some of the music artists to work with in terms of monetization but it's important that sports right holders don't just see this as a what is the business case where can i make money because that's going to emerge over time but it's, it's a set it's a space that makes sense to activate partnerships as, as Pierre has spoken to, right? Like if BMW is active in the metaverse, then I as a sports property can look at BMW and other potential partners or existing partners and see activating in these spaces as a means to activate those partnerships. If you must have the immediate business case and you know monetization that comes from that. Pierre, has anybody actually approached you about doing a sports partnership in the metaverse? Is that something, is that a discussion that's happened? Without giving away, without giving away any confidential information, of course. No, no, no. no. Okay. Can I ask, Danny, do you want to be approached? <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for later. Not, not yet, not yet, not yet. Of course, we're still. It feels like we're still getting feedback mm. in that area. Um, so it's we are still at an early stage. Um, you know, we had a little little tiny cooperation with Kicks with their um, basketball brand. So we joined there. Fortnite Island uh, Moon Court, um, because you might know that we joined the um, Bayern München basketball team in a kind of a sponsorship, so that felt like a nice, smart match, to be honest, but um, this is not a bigger thing in the metaverse. 
But uh, yeah, this might be an opportunity. And um, I was just thinking about what I can tell you what we are already discussing internally because we still have some classic sports engagements like golf sport and motorsports. And yes, we are talking about how to bring these topics into the metaverse. Could it be quite simple, like doing kind of meet and greets with the brand ambassadors of motorsports and golf sports? Or can we do like golf clinics in the metaverse? And what about the topic of sim racing and motorsports cars? So there is a lot of space still to, to conquer for us. And yes, we started talking about that. We are not there yet, but um, we're getting into it, sure. Talk, talk, talk to us a little bit. And, and this is, you know, to Andy's point, it's fascinating to hear somebody from the brand side kind of be so focused on future-proofing the brand. Uh, and, you know, I've got experience in this, having worked with you as far back as 2017 and kind of how forward-looking BMW has always been and, and you in particular. But how does the conversation around a position heading up the metaverse approach at BMW even begin? Like, who, how did that, how did that come together? How was that something that, um, did you have to pitch it in? Was it something that was brought to you and, and somebody said, you know, look, we need somebody to like, think about how we engage with the metaverse. I'm just, to the extent that you can share, tell us how that came about, because it's not something that you would associate with a hundred year old company that manufactures cars in Southern Germany. I think it was like the natural way after we convinced the company to do esports, it was like the way to go, to be honest. And um, I, I would say we started with sim racing because mm -hmm. um, we had, you, you know, I've led the motorsport marketing for some years and we decided to, to do something else for, for other target groups, for younger target groups, because motorsports is quite traditional cars on a racetrack we did formula e that was much more innovative to be honest but in the end it's a car on the street and that was the first idea we had stepping into sim racing and at that time we saw sim racing that could be the big gaming thing but then we saw is this very it's very very professional digital sport it's not about gaming so that was the way we decided to do more in that space. I told you before that there was a huge opportunity for us. And um, yeah, to, to be honest, I pushed that topic forward because after esports, there was gaming and it was naturally to step into metaverse. But it, it is always a hard way and it's still a hard way. It's a lot about internal marketing. So everybody in my team who's working with me knows it's not an easy job because you don't get like 20 million euros and just go for it and do something cool. It's like tell everybody and explain everybody mm. that this is the way we have to go to make the brand future proof. And everybody in my team, especially me, we deeply believe in that way for the brand BMW because we always had that joy of being ahead and now we need to add all these uh, topics we are talking of onto the classic way we are going and to mix it. Because maybe you saw that uh, recent campaign for the iX2, what we yes. did with the virtual influencer, with Nikila. What is cool because it's a new way of communication. And to be honest, more to come. For sure, we are thinking about using more AI in future because this is a way of communication. We are already working with a lot of virtual artists because this is cool. This is unseen. This is a new way where you can um, interact or communicate with younger audiences because it's not that classical way of communication. But we also still need the classic way of communication because we need to deliver like a power of choice. Everybody who wants to deal with BMW needs to find him or herself in the brand. So we try to, to, to have two ways of interaction the classic you know from us and the new way and this is what we need to to push forward to make sure that we are still selling cars in the future speaking of which you know um selling cars in the future i wanted to i want to talk about results and how you can kind of monitor those and 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 how you go into a campaign or the creation of a world or an engagement of uh, an activation within a metaverse uh, environment uh, and set the right KPIs to see what's coming from it. So, Eric, I'll start with you because you've worked with a, a number of different uh, clients in building that. Um, a, how how much work do you put into helping them shape that uh, versus people coming to you with very clear ideas of this is what we want to achieve? Um, and B, what, what, what are 
some of the measures of success that you've seen? And then I'd love to come back to Pia and, and see what, what it is that you're using, for example, with Hypnopolis as, as your KPIs and your key, uh, key indicators of success. Eric. Yeah, so, I mean, the classic ways of measure the success of an act- activation in the metaverse is obviously uh, visits, the amount of people that have come to the experience. Then the next one that sort of defines the quality of that is uh, playtime. But there's, there's like we're in the still in the early days of this. We can basically measure anything that a person does inside of a video game. We can't mm-hmm. obviously target them, but we can measure, you know, there's, uh, you know, if they've gone to a certain area in in an experience, how, if they've interacted with the stuff like this. Uh, this varies from platform to platform as well. Um, but another thing that we tried, uh, yeah, we've been doing, um, and I mean, we, I sort of got the, cause I remember we were doing a lot of like brand uplift measure uh, with, the with the BMW campaign, which was, I remember was really, really impressive with the fanatic fans. Like, uh, uh, they, they, you know, measured before, which is your favorite car type questions. Uh, and then after the BMW partnership was announced, that went up, uh, quite a bit. So, I mean, it's very easy to ask, uh, gamers questions. Can't really do it on the platform as much because um, you might get a bit young audience. And I think there's a bit of, we sort of looked into in capturing data and doing questionnaires amongst a young audience under 18. It's a bit sort of iffy. Uh, but yeah, there's there's, um, there's way to, to measure it. But I think this is something that I always discuss with, you know, people, colleagues of mine, competitors. It's like, how do and also data companies? How do we figure out like a, a, a way to measure the media value of of like? Because I don't think a, someone that has spent twenty minutes playing a branded experience is the equivalent of someone that watched a YouTube pre-roll. You know, mm. like the, the that uh, one is significantly more engaged. I mean that that's why I I mean I've come from experiential marketing and event marketing, and that's why I think it's powerful is that you have an you know, an engaged uh, audience that's taking part in something, not just a passive consumer of a marketing message. Uh, but we, we're not there yet a little bit, I would say. And we have a bit of work to do as an industry to figure out how to really measure it and also being able to put sort of a dollar value to it uh, because it does not exist yet. Mm. Totally agree. Pia, how do you guys measure for the moment, it's mainly about brand awareness, to be honest. It's, it's not um, about selling a car right now. Um, and for us, playtime is quite important, more important than visitors, because uh, for us, it's more of interest to see that people really play the game, if we're talking about Hypnopolis. And we compared it with uh, similar opportunities like our classic car configurator. How long do people stay on the website and configurate a car? And how long did people stay in Hypnopolis and use the car creator for um, configuring the iX2? And lucky us, um, the average time in the configurator is like 16 to 17 minutes and people play time in Fortnite Hypnopolis is up to 30 minutes, which is like a great success for us. So um, this is something we do measure for sure, as well the visitors, but the playtime is more of interest because this is the time people interact with the brand. And finally, um, we measure a rejuvenation index and we measure sentiments. So for us, it's important to get a feeling Mm. if this is what we do feels natural and people likes it or not. And what do... What do they say about BMW? What's the sentiment? So we measure like words in the in the internet, like innovation, cool, uh, young, or stuff like that, to give you some some of these examples. And this is um, the way we we try to measure and to to define a rejuvenation index to see that our idea of doing new things for younger audiences yeah work. And is, is that is that measured through the platforms within which you build these experiences or externally through social listening, through uh, uh, it's, social, it's social listening, right? Social listening. OK. Yeah. Fascinating. What I want you to do is is gaze into your crystal balls a little bit. And um, sorry, that sounded that sounded wrong. Gaze into your crystal ball and uh, and, and tell us where do you see um, the development of um, the metaverse? And where do you see big opportunities for the sports industry and the brands that participate within it 
to uh, to either engage audiences or monetize uh, or uh, or kind of build over time. What are you most excited about, Eric? So I think there's some sort of cultural changes that I've sort of because I've been thinking a bit about this lately, and I think. I think there's a chance that avatars are going to become a bit more lifelike and uh, there's going to be more people sort of playing like yourself. I think what, uh, you know, facial tracking in Roblox, uh, the, what, you know, the super impressive uh, interview with Zuckerberg. I think uh, in general, we were still a little bit like the same sort of thing that happened where we all had our weird nicknames in the beginning of, of emails and stuff like this. And then we all sort of went Eric.Laundre. Uh, you know, like, or your your first and your last name and then at Hotmail or Gmail. I think there's a, Facebook is the same, you know. I think that might, that might happen. I think real world, uh, we're going to see a lot more sort of opportunity to do uh, selling real products inside of virtual worlds. I think that's, that's going to come much faster than, than we think on, on some platforms. Um, and... Uh, yeah. What else? I think I think those are my two sort of uh, main ones. Uh, those two, uh, and yeah, for for uh, I think there's there's also bridging the gap, right? I think you know, digital twins. We're already looking at solutions for like you know you know if you're a, a rights holder, you sell a jersey, and then you, you can un, uh, unlock that on on to wear it on on Roblox and stuff. It's sort of a little bit connected to interoperability, but not. Uh, Interoperability between a virtual world and the physical, <laughs> but but yeah, I think that that sort of um, that those are my three. I think uh, you know, um, yeah, my sort of future gazing stuff. For me, I think it's a new dimension of relationship um, with future customers, and I think um, metaverse applications will close the gap between the traditional customer and the future customer because I think. Um, Younger people are naturally in the digital world, in the virtual world, and um, this might be the big opportunity for every brand, as you said, Eric, to sell real products as well, or maybe a combination of real and um, physical, uh, real and um, virtual products. Sorry. And yeah, it's to merge real and virtual worlds. I don't think that a virtual world will replace a real experience because this is still real life and this is like doing goosebumps. But in the end, it's a great additional opportunity for entertainment and communication and relationships, engagements. A lot of buzzwords, I know, but this is what we need to do to, to as I said, make brands future-proof. Uh, that's that's certainly uh, that's certainly a, a wonderful image, isn't it? And I I, I always think back to the um, incredible BMW um, factory and building in Munich, where you can go and pick up a BMW if you've ordered it, and that experience that, that having having seen it, I have to say I've never done it, but um, having seen it, it is quite an incredible customer experience. You can see how then. Um, connecting that into either an owned or a third party platform in the metaverse where a salesman or a salesperson anywhere in the world can engage with a customer and sort of build a car and then sell it in a real, in, in a real environment could be a, an absolutely fascinating um, uh, journey and one that will, will open a whole new audience and a whole access to a whole new uh, customer base. Right. Final question for both of you. Do you think that gaming Metaverse, esports, is um, a threat or a complement to traditional sports. And Pia, I'm particularly interested in your thought because your son plays basketball, presumably hugely, hugely kind of inspired by Germany's FIBA World Cup win, which was an incredible run with uh, with Dennis and the Wagner brothers and uh, and everybody. But um, you've also stolen his laptop, which I presume has a number of different games and metaverse applications on it, and he probably <laughs> spends a lot of time on it. How's what's what's your view of that? I think it's an opportunity um, because we just said that um, real life will never be replaced by virtual opportunities, but I think it's it's an extension. So maybe you can deliver a bit more in future beside the traditional game um, um, on on the on the on the on the place or however you call it in the arena. 
you can add like um, a virtual opportunity and virtual engagement and I think there might be the chance to have both in future in, in every sports league so this could be the great opportunity I think yeah it's definitely an opportunity and a compliment I uh, you know I think the, the one thing that we always talk to when we talk to sort of industries that's very connected to experiences like music like sports you know the thing that we can't replace are those in the metaverse and, and it's, it's, you know, or it's very hard to replace is that moment of being in a stadium with, uh, you know, a hundred thousand other people screaming the same thing, uh, you know, or feeling the, the bass hit your body uh, when you're at a concert, you know, like, mm. like, um, so, um, but what, what those moments, what those moments can't do that the metaverse can is persistency and always on, 365 days of the year, 24 hours, uh, you know, of the day. That is the strength of, of these worlds. So I think that's also something that, you know, yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. You're, you're having your big experiences at, in your arenas and maybe even with your broadcasts. But this is a chance to have something that's never shutting its doors, you know, and it's constantly as an audience and footfall. And I think that's a huge opportunity for for you know sports in particular fantastic well that brings us to the end of the podcast to our listeners thank you for joining us uh, if you liked what you heard make sure you go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a like and a subscription uh go to our website sportsoft.co and sign up for our newsletter where you can get news about the latest developments in technology uh, in the worlds of sports and media every week uh and make sure that you follow us on socials at sportsloft hq um, the only other thing you need to do is definitely go check out Carta. Definitely go to Fortnite and check out Hypnopolis. It is an incredible experience. I testify to that. And uh, all, all that remains for me to do is say a big thank you to our guests. Eric Landre, thank you very much for joining us again in the Sportsoft podcast. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. And Pia, wonderful to see you again, and thank you for joining us. We look forward to the next one where you tell us about the next big activation in BMW's sports metaverse uh, world. Will do. Thank you so much. That was fun. I really enjoyed that session and hopefully can join another time. Definitely. And uh, we, we, we look forward to you uh, being able to hand the laptop back safe and sound to your son so that he can use it for, <laughs> uh, for, for homework. And a big thank you to Andy Selby, our head of strategy at Sportsoft. Andy, thank you for joining the Sportsoft podcast again. Thanks so much, Yanni. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you next time in the Sports Loft. Goodbye.